and so I uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home. We are now entering the home stretch ahead of the midterm election. For months, political analysts have said a red wave is coming. A referendum on inflation, illegal immigration, indoctrination. How are Democrats mitigating that red wave? It's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. Here we are on October 6th. We are staring down an election right in front of us, and boy, are we excited. Yeah, and I mean, congratulations to Joe Biden, who was raised as a Puerto Rican child. <laughs> it may have come as a shock to both uh, the, the now deceased Mr. and Mrs. Biden, but... Uh, again, apparently there is a uh, some population of Puerto Ricans in Delaware that he is now assimilated with. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of that movie, The Jerk. Great film, if anyone's seen it. Steve Martin was like, <laughs> yes. I raised a poor black child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would love to get some commentary on from Corn Pop on all this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one day after another. Between he and Kamala... I just feel so eternally blessed to have a podcast yeah, in this era. Really, right? It's amazing the content they give us. And and someone pointed out on Twitter the video of like Jill Biden, Jill, when she's standing behind him, and anytime he has a gaffe, you can see she like physically cringes. Her hands change. She like <laughs> clasps her hands. Like, oh no, it's happening again. <laughs> so like, I'm always watching now when she's there because he's gonna say something stupid. And every time she goes from being calm to just like gritting her teeth. And clenching her fist, like they gotta oh, no. like start outfitting him with a buzzer or something that he like he just starts shuffling as soon as is the hit like the a, buzzer like a shock collar yeah like some, I mean, because it's already elder abuse like putting him out there every day what so they've like, done is horror horror I go halfway go all the way shock collar <laughs> shock collar Joe Biden <laughs> well we've got a very uh, big show today uh, we have got a governor candidate from the great state of Oregon now before you say Oregon. Mm-hmm. How in the world uh, is that a competitive race? Well, you haven't met Christine Drazen. Yeah, don't or, don't or sleep. Don't clearly sleep haven't on seen it. the polls. Where I yeah. mean, she is up. She, she is, is up, up, folks. She is up, and we look forward to talking to her at the back end of the program. Today's sponsor is Americans for Prosperity. I'm sure if you're involved in conservative grassroots politics anywhere, you've heard of them. They are absolutely terrific. Emily, the the CEO of that joint, joins me for this uh, program as well. Fellas, let's get right into it. I got something on my mind uh, right off the bat here. Yeah, what, what, what you thinking about? So after we recorded Tuesday's episode, the left-wing media does what it does in October. Mm-hmm. It took, you know, you had <clears throat> you had uh, uh, McConnell and Scott and, you know, all the, uh, Stephen Law and everybody talk about the top races and, and basically where the path is to get the majority. And everyone sort of said it's it's Georgia and Nevada in terms of pickups, right? Like within hours of them saying that, the Daily Beast drops a story on Herschel, right? And they allege that they have receipts on a, an abortion that he paid for, whatever. At this stage in the game, I personally, and maybe I'm speaking for myself on this, I don't care what it is that a left-wing outfit unveils about one of our candidates yeah i don't care i don't care whatever it is i can promise you it is less damaging than what raphael warnock 
and Senate Democrats and Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi have done to this country over the last two years. Guaranteed. To me, the first thing that, you know, made me almost physically angry about this situation is I recall just two short years ago, early October, a story drops about a candidate and uh, the media is told, whoa, we're too close to Election Day. This is probably Russian it's, disinformation. It's likely Russian disinformation. Every media outlet is it's now illegal. Wait, to all put that of out the there. hallmarks. Oh, it has all. It bears all the hallmarks. All of the hallmarks. They got a hundred former hacks from the deep state. Yeah, some who should be in jail, like Clapper, who are like, oh, this is this is definitely Russian disinformation, folks. It's so close to election day. Every news outlet must stop reporting on this. However, however, when 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 they're like a little oppo dump is against a Republican, what happens? What? Oh shit. Cover to cover. Everybody cover this. Scramble the jets. We need to make sure every American hears this bit of news. Some Dem operative is trying to feed us some garbage and get us to print it, and so by God, we're going to do it. You're, well, you're telling me this wasn't suppressed on Twitter? Yeah. Can you believe that? Who'd have guessed? Who'd have guessed? So some people out there are like, well, you know, if that's all true, there's hypocrisy. Well, let me, let me introduce you to Raphael Warnock, that's who ran as a, as a moderate thoughtful democrat and immediately ushered in an entire left-wing agenda mind you a, a reverend who supports unfettered late-term abortion yeah and oh is there a hypocrisy and, in that and wants think? and wants us as taxpayers to pay for abortions oh that's interesting yeah that's interesting it's almost like he's the kind of guy who could rent somebody else's dog claim it's his own uh -huh. and his own best friend and all of his ad well, he I mean, did that i still can't believe he I mean, did the, that the thing is is he ran as a moderate and then he ran over his wife with the cars and like no one even talks about <laughs> it like how is that not news that's not the only thing he's running for he's running over his wife if we're in a media environment where it is not relevant that he ran over the foot of his wife, or that it wasn't his dog, or that he's voted like a communist over the last two years. If none of that stuff is relevant, then I don't think anybody's relevant. Well, look, I, I, I don't care. Look, look, I'm voting. I, I don't know what's true and what's not true. Here's what I do know, is that all of that about Raphael Warnock is true. Right. And and he's a And there's video of his wife crying to police, being like, this guy right. hit me with a car. And, and like, she calls oh. him a, a, a great liar. Yeah. But here, here's what I do know. Herschel Walker has pledged to fight for the values that I think we all care about. And I know a former president, Donald Trump, thrice married, who put the greatest conservative Supreme Court majority Bingo. in well, the history of this country. Uh, you not, know. not just thrice married, openly pro-choice at uh -huh. one point in his life. Right, right, right. So and little, he did more for the pro-life movement uh -huh. than anybody, after, probably anybody else who's, who's lived. So at the end of the day, you should vote for and fight for the people who are going to fight for you. It's as simple as that. Bingo. It's that easy. It, don't, don't fall into this trap. Don't take the bait from the left-wing media. These hacks at the Daily Beast, they, they did the same shit in Georgia last cycle. They're all wired up there with the oppo yep, research. they are. Just wait, just wait. Every single Republican at this stage in the game that gets anywhere close to disrupting the power structure of a unified democratic government is going to have unbelievable things alleged about them in the next four weeks. And, and in the media, like, it's gotten so obvious how much they're, like, throwing their backs into trying to save the Dems at this point because the red wave is becoming so apparent for them. The polling has shifted. Voters are trying to pay attention, and the voters are sick of the Dems having right. full control. And uh, I saw this hilarious thing from Media Matters this morning uh, someone sent to me. It was a headline from Media Matters that said, Fox News is covering the Senate race 
like three times as much as MSNBC and CNN combined. Like that's a bad thing. We're like why is Fox trying to put the Senate races in front of everybody's eyes? It's like I wonder why. You know what's you'd really want funny? People to stop caring about that. You know what's really funny about that? So it used to be a problem. I'm glad that they're covering Senate races. It was. It's been a problem for like four or six different cycles that I've been a part of, where MSNBC had invited candidates as they announce on where they plug their website like five times yeah, during the course of the interview, yeah. right? And the hosts plug the website. During, and it was just for ActBlue fundraising. And it was just for ActBlue fundraising, which generated just a ton of revenue when they when they first started their campaigns. And then conservatives never had that outlet, right? Because Fox, it, it, first of all, it doesn't debase itself into just becoming like an arm of the Republican Party, like it does real news. And so... But there was a portion of time where they actually didn't cover these races. Yeah. Like, they just didn't cover them, right? This year, they're covering them. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is is done a lot of good to get people plugged in here in this fall to make sure that people know that, like, literally the future of our country is on the ballot here in four short weeks. I mean, things are getting so bad for Dems. Last cycle, they were like, okay, you can't cover this piece of news. This cycle, they're like, just don't cover the news. Please don't let people know what's happening out there. Yeah. Because, I mean, like I said, like the polling has turned, voters are tuned in, and every day the news is getting worse and worse and worse for Americans. You saw inflation tick up. Gas prices have now ticked right back up. We were told, remember, like uh, I didn't see Ron Klain spiking the football the other day when the news came out that yeah, what happened average to gas that? prices are going right back up. What happened to that? Well, let's let's um, we've got all content on all of those topics to come. But maybe we should just lighten things up with some five stars right off the bat. What do you think? Huh? Okay. Old man, you want to take this first one? Sure. This is from Sandy T. Johnson. My favorite podcast cracks me up. Okay, so I listen to a lot of great podcasts. Ben, Matt, Tim Cast, Jack Poso, Charlie Kirk, Ruben, Benny, etc. They're all awesome. But you guys are spot on all the time and you make me laugh. A lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. I walk my dog around downtown Chicago on Tuesday and Thursday mornings with my AirPods, and I just laugh. Thank you. <laughs> Sandy, I mean, that's awesome. That's great. The amount of courage to walk around the streets of Chicago is, I mean, amazing. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. probably got a 357. Yeah. Right I think we, we learned it's MAGA country. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right, MAGA country. Yeah. Well, yeah, the poor, the poor fellow that was assaulted, that, that was... Juicy? Uh, juicy, yeah, juicy. Smollier? Juicy Smollier, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know what? I think that the voice needs this uh, next one. Let's go to Smash. Okay, I'll do this one. I am just Lewis. Ruthlessly oh. funny is the title of this one. I got introduced to you guys through Megan Kelly earlier this year, and I am so glad for that. You have become my favorite Tuesday Thursday bourbon drinking buds. You guys provide the latest political news with such fun entertainment that I don't know how to watch regular news at all. But I guess that's a good thing. Recently, you guys were on Megan's show, and it was a true banger of an episode, especially that third block. I was literally laughing so hard that I realized I hadn't laughed that hard in quite a while. I work in law enforcement. Man, thank you very much. Uh, I am just Lewis for that. I work in law enforcement. And was having quite a stressful week, and you guys making me laugh like that was well-needed medicine. Thank you so much for it. Keep up the great work, Lewis. Very nice. What a guy. Very Thank nice. you, Lewis. Now, as you were reading, something very nefarious <laughs> happened. <laughs> what happened? There was some, there was some Ashbrook smug collusion. There was a third, uh, <laughs> third five-star here, Smug, that was all lined up for you to read. 
It, it can, like I said, this is a family program. How dare had, you disrespect Scott on sax like that? You, you, the good name. Well, it, it was a great review, and we appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it's a, a little graphic. I'm happy to. I'm happy to help you. Uh, uh, I've provided another copy as you deleted the copy. You have it. I have it right here oh. in front of me. So if you'd like to go, wow! Ahead. All right, go for it. Give it a read. Um, okay. And folks, your children are listening. Please have them put on like headphones or something. No, I'm, you know, I <laughs> we did a segment about penis and what they were studying. Yeah, right. Respected scientific journal. Big chickens. Big chickens. Right, and of course, if you're from South Carolina, uh, USC, you have an interpretation about that. South Carolina course, gamecock. Of course, gamecock, and and of course, this guy says Americans do love big chickens <laughs> in his South Carolina vernacular. As a University of South Carolina Gamecock. In the South Carolina. <laughs> That's wild. I can attest to that proclamation. Chickens, hens, roosters, and cocks are all well-loved, whether as mascots, Jacksonville State University, Sumter High School, to name a few, or as food. The yard bird is a great animal to celebrate. I fell in love with the Ruthless Podcast through Megan Kelly, through Megan Kelly, and it, along with hers, is one I never miss. As far as my last meal goes, it doesn't matter what I eat as long as I, as my dinner music is the Ruthless Podcast led with Knock Three Times parody awesome. to enjoy as I take my last breaths. God bless and keep it going ruthlessly. Thank you so much. Wow. I can't believe you tried to delete that. <laughs> I, I immediately went to the platforms themselves and found the Amazing. review just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing work. Yeah. No, I mean, it's first of all, it's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Scott on Sax, for that thoughtful review <laughs> don't let smug get you down uh let's talk for a minute about this elon twitter deal it was overshadowed a lot with a lot of political news that was happening but it, it popped a bit and i know you were on this smug yeah so this is very good news in my opinion <laughs> and and you saw how good of news it was yesterday because there was a complete and utter meltdown uh by the left of this because they were like oh thank god you know elon realized there's a lot of bots stepped away from this deal and now we can get back to just like censoring conservatives. Sadly, Elon's decided to go through with the bid, 5420. Uh, the news here from the AP, it says, the tumultuous saga of Elon Musk's on-again, off-again purchase of Twitter took a turn towards a conclusion Tuesday after the mercurial Tesla CEO proposed to buy the company at the originally agreed upon price of $44 billion. I love, by the way, this is Associated Press. I love that you can describe Elon Musk as mercurial, yeah. right? I mean, it, there, there's just it, it, it's amazing to me the ease of which the mainstream media sort of denotes some negative connotation upon anybody that doesn't go along for yep. the ride yep. with their view of the world. I've not right. done a search here, but I would venture a guess they've never described him as mercurial in the context of a story about electric vehicles. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I wonder if that was a mercurial decision or, you know, <laughs> sending people to space uh, privately. So is that mercurial? Right. My, my the guy theory, tweets every single day. Yeah, it, like it, the only thing that would give him that is that he is basically not a lib. So, right, 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 right. One of the this is more like business oriented, tech oriented kind of kind of uh, information. But one of the takes that I have is maybe he put in the bid. He was like, okay, it's fine. I think maybe I can, number one, fix this because the guy's got a history of turning around companies. Like, a lot of folks don't know this, but he actually did not start Tesla. Tesla was started by another guy. It was languishing. 
it would have never become a successful company. You know what? I forgot Elon, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Elon was like, you know what? I can actually do something here. And I mean, like, it's worth more than like GM and Ford combined. Well, you don't at this get point. to be the richest guy in the world by having a bunch of dumb ideas. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and putting rockets into space at the same time and like having like nine kids. Like, yeah. the guy stays busy and knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, but one of the things that had come out is like there were all these text messages that, as part of this lawsuit that came out. And a lot of journos were trying to dunk on like some some like uh, uh, v- uh, venture capitalists. Uh, like I remember, text came out with Andreessen where he he had apparently texted Elon, being like, "I'm on board. Here's like 500 mil. Count me in. I'm with it." And uh, all these journos were like, "Wow, they didn't want to look over documentation and do due diligence on this deal." It's like, you okay? Number one, a journalist who's like. Paying five thousand a month to live in Brooklyn on a fifty thousand dollars salary. Yeah, they probably doesn't know how business works. They're also providing investment <laughs> advice to yeah. the richest people on the planet. Does not have good. any idea what it's they're cute. talking about. You know, whereas like if if anyone gets the opportunity to bet on like Elon Musk, I mean, the Seems track like record this guy's had. Yeah. You know, like Smarty I would have loved to have been able to buy PayPal when he was working there or Tesla when he got on board there. So I, I've, uh, Smug, I've got two questions for you on this subject. One is, you know, you're very familiar with how these deals come together. How long do you think it will be? We all saw the news. We've been talking about how long do you think it'll take from today to wrap up the deal? Musk is in charge. I mean, I think it could happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, the, the with the way that, you know, he, he sent a letter to uh, the court. He sent a letter to Twitter the night before the news broke being like, I'm with it. Let's do this money closes the money is there uh you know the dry powder is there to make this deal happen twitter of course is more than happy uh because the price is at like a 20 percent premium to what they were trading at um i i would not be surprised if it closes in like 30 days in that 30 days incredible. elon calling the shots like it could be by election day elon musk calling the shots wow. at twitter which would be incredible you know who the happiest man in show business would be our buddy luke thompson who's been in twitter jail for the <laughs> yeah. last 10 days and the thing is, like, when he cries about being locked up, I'm like, it's like that meme. I'm like, oh, first time? First time locked up? <laughs> He's just doing a bid. Yeah. No problem. It's like, oh, your first time locked up, huh? That's pretty cool. You're like, you got to knock the first guy out when you're in that sucker, huh? But, but I mean, he this acts is... like he's in the Bastille. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> He's so dramatic. Seriously. 30 days, buddy. We're coming for you. Can, can, I, I, can I ask you one more question on I, this? Absolutely. Uh, what are some of the practical changes that people can expect? Okay, so I think, you know, for, for the listeners, on a day-to-day level, um, we're, me and Duncan were talking, uh, Tim Poole about this on TimCast, is uh, he, he had said the same thing that I've heard. You know, we travel across the country, we do shows, and I've had people tell me, they're like, oh, you know, I was on Twitter, I got like 100 followers, and, and my account got locked for no reason. They said there's like no appealing it, so like I don't really use Twitter anymore. I hear that again and again and again. And like, this is, you know, I heard this, I remember in Minnesota from a lady who was like, yeah, you know, I got my two kids here with me. Like, I guarantee she was not tweeting anything that can get you banned on Twitter because there's a lot of stuff on Twitter that's like really out there. And I guarantee she did not come close to any of that. You never the, know. Some of the hardest core. Is, <laughs> I tell but, you. But, but I mean, like the thing is, is that like, it's become very clear that Twitter is doing everything in their power currently, and I can tell you this from from personal experience, that they silo uh, anyone to like the right of Bernie Sanders, where they try to limit how much uh, your tweets get out there. But they sort of throttle distribution. They, they totally throttle. Yeah. And, and like most people don't know that by default, Twitter uses an algorithm to show you what tweets show up in your timeline. It's unless you go into the settings in the top right and tell it, okay, show me every tweet in chronological 
chronological order, it will show you what they pick. And right. what they pick to show you will never be like a conservative message, right? So what I noticed, and, I, and I've heard this from a lot of other people, is like when Elon first announced the deal, it was like, I'm going to make sure that Twitter becomes like a bastion of free speech, people are allowed to speak their mind. It became very clear that Twitter like turned off the algorithm, and I gained something like 2,000 followers in 48 hours. Oh, interesting. Right? Interesting. Like, it's it's amazing. And like I've heard this from like every conservative where they're like, I haven't seen your tweets in, in like three years. I thought you were you weren't even here anymore. Like that change and I mean, God, if he could get his like hands on the keys, he could get his hands on the wheel of this company before election day. It wow. changes a lot of things. Wow. There's no question about it. It changes a lot of things. Anyway, we're rooting it on. Um all right, quick topic here. Uh pouncing and seizing is as we do. Right, <laughs> you know, if and, and for those of you who are not uh, familiar with this, if a Republican does anything or says anything that's critical of Democrats, uh, when Democrats have an acute political liability, it's not a story about the acute political liability. It's the Republican season pounce. It's upon the response. It. The Republican response is the story, not the thing that is real and true and a problem for the Democrat. Right. So uh, here's from the Hill: GOP seizes on Biden gaffes to attack competence. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> I mean, oh, they get they get they go over the top with these headlines. This yeah. is maybe the worst. Republican. That's like seen. Republicans seize on gravity to complain about apples falling. Can you believe it? <laughs> They're at it again. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's not the problem it's not the story that the president is shuffling along the stage not right. morning, calling himself a puerto rican child and uh remaking you know, foreign policy on 60 minutes like let, that's let me, not a problem let me lean on your expertise for a second ashbrook why does the hill even exist anymore like what well, is their purpose like they still so, publish a physical paper i guess that people on capitol Hill grab if they ha- like have a cat at home or got you know for the litter box, I will tell you over the last ten years the Hills' uh, readership has only grown. I mean they've, really? they've been very very effective at how they've inserted their news in social media and they they they've got more you can always stories count on churning out on a regular journals, basis. You know? <laughs> <But it's> just, <clears throat> they're they're extremely active on social is what they do. I mean I I would venture to guess that of of most like DC publications, they rely the most on referral traffic from Twitter. And Interesting. Facebook. But yeah. I think, I think well, it's the, certainly not roll call. It's active on the right. uh, <laughs> face pages. I think that, I think the more important question is what motivates somebody actually has to write this headline. It's not necessarily the people who are writing the story. Um, it's usually an editor. Uh, what motivates somebody to frame it this way? I, I just, I can't, I can't even well, imagine the, like, wouldn't the story be, that Joe Biden's gas put Democrats in a very difficult place as they run for re-election. Wouldn't that because you would think because a voter because is, well isn't, isn't doing the double bank shot because that that's actually the phenomenon that's occurring yeah, right. and what you're doing is writing a story about what you see well I think, not what you want other you know, people to see what's interesting is I think this really encapsulates a major problem with journalism is because if they couched it in that fashion what would it get them it's yes it's accurate yes it's the truth but yes it would get them backlash from all the Dems. Like, all the left-leaning people will be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Joe Biden's gaffes are making things d- difficult for Dems. Don't you realize that you are helping fascism and, and, and killing democracy by publishing this? Which is why I think a lot of what motivates these journals, number one, is, like, not to get hassled. Yes, yeah, their uh, own. it's their own ecosystem. And then right? also at work, they're like, I don't want, you know, the Karens in Slack to come after me and get my ass fired. 
Yeah. Well, geez, if you're at the post, you got a real problem, yeah. right? As long as Taylor's like, Taylor's gonna around, come through and get you. She's gonna get you. She's gonna get she's like you. Like Omar in that note newsroom, man. Like <laughs> you can just, you can just hear her her walk coming down the hallway. It's like oh, Taylor's shit. coming. She's coming. <laughs> she's coming. All right. So I want to preface this next segment by saying, what do we? What is it that we say about the red wave smug? It's not something that's happening. It's something we are doing. Exactly. And we've been doing it all along. Now, in the midst of all of that, I think a couple of months ago when everybody was down on everything, mm-hmm. we told you about some environmental conditions that you can expect because we've spent 20 years doing this that would change and give the ability for Republicans to make a case in ballots uh, across this country, right? Now, a lot pe- of people were getting squirrely in August, and what did we tell you? We told you keep your head down, keep working, keep working, right? It's not what you what they say it is. Right? And to it's their not, credit, the minions did exactly that. They did exactly that. Put their heads down, dialed, donated, and look at that. Now look at the polls. Totally, that's, that's what you get. You put in the work, you get the rewards. So, in particular, we highlighted the Pennsylvania Senate race because when we were talking about it, the polls showed him down 10, 12 points. Everybody was like, "Well, that one's over." Republicans are going to have to find something else. And we were not buying that for a second. One, we knew Oz, and we knew how good he was. Two, we knew Fetterman and knew how bad he was. But three, we knew that gravity at some point, political gravity is going to grab hold, and people are going to look at this as a choice between these candidates and a referendum on the Biden administration and what they've done. So all of that is to say Politico's got a new headline. Republicans gain ground in Senate races in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Oh, no. Mm, After a (laughs) grueling summer, Republicans are finally making headway in protecting their top firewalls in a race for the Senate. Strategists in both parties cited a barrage of TV commercials labeling Democrats as soft on crime as the driving factor. You see something happening here with both Fetterman and Barnes which is they both really got pounded with negatives. That's my favorite Just part. Just pounded a, with a negatives, dem- bro. Yeah, this is the Democratic consultant who said this. So, so, and who I've never heard of. Um, <laughs> but, JJ Maliban's like, no! <laughs> but, 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 look, but look, the idea that somehow Republicans just weren't going to tell their yeah, story right. <laughs> is pretty amazing, right? It's like, here this whole time, we just thought we got to spend money and Republicans had to sit there and take it to the face. Well, yeah. they're like, God, guys, we like got Twitter to block conservatives. We we try to call any oppo dump against the Dem like a Russian comp- like compromat. What the hell's going on? How are these people getting their messages? Those, those damn Pennsylvanians found out what's happening with the economy. <laughs> yeah, <uh-oh. laughs> and like, honestly, I'm like every, like this is, this is like a cheat code for a lot of republicans talk about crime talk about crime every american sees it feels it they've seen what's happened in this country over the past couple of years it's horrific what's happening out there folks don't feel safe in their homes they don't feel safe in the towns and the cities they live talk about it because it's the decision making of of these democrats in power which have led to this they're not just soft on crime they enable it right i mean we're going to be talking to the republican gubernatorial candidate in oregon perfect example perfect example i mean the the dems let portland burn they literally let it burn they they gave like attack that courthouse they gave (laughs) they gave they literally did they gave these criminals like blocks of downtown and we're like here have at it they're like this is the chaz uh you know you don't have to follow rules communism is okay guys and i'm just i'm glad you brought it up because i think look things move quickly in politics and there's a lot of news on the economy and everything like that and i think that is the cornerstone of our argument in this election a referendum on the biden administration but I think COVID and crime and what they did to our society 
is the overarching yeah. m- message here, I think, to close it out. And we can't forget what they did. You only have us. one shot to hold them accountable for what they've done. Right. The last that's three it. Right. This is your one right. chance right. to get them for if what they've were, done to us. If you were the least bit upset about schools. This say, is their look, first real, voters' first real opportunity. This like, is it. Look at Virginia, right? Like yeah. Virginia, they had an opportunity to finally vote. Virginia got their they chance were. to hold them accountable. Right. Now the rest of the country does. Yes. I mean, that's, dude, Holmes, that's it right there. This is your one shot. To hold these people accountable for what they've done to you, for what they've done to your family, for what they've done to this country. And that's why I, when I opened with Herschel Walker, that's what that's what I'm saying, right? I don't care what you unearth about this guy or anybody else. What Raphael Warnock, Senate Democrats, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and all those Democrats have done to this country is so much greater. Mm-hmm. It is so much more harmful to kids whose test scores now, they're not even taking the tests because right. they can't read, right? Right. As a result of what these people have done. Right. You know, and, and making us all focus on, you know, racial strife and and like Voting Rights Act bullshit that was all just made up. Right. Instead of trying to take care of families in this country and make sure, I don't know, that you're not having 10 percent inflation so nobody can afford groceries for Christ's sake. And you'd back on crime for a second. You know, another thing that's actually very interesting about the issue, if you look at polling, of course, it tests off the charts with Republicans and independents, but it also registers very highly with Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, because in, I mean, particular, like, in particular, the communities, the underserved communities that need police, you know, black yeah. and brown communities, working class communities that used to be part of the Democratic coalition yeah. and no longer are. Turns out they don't like their neighborhoods burnt or right. taken over by Antifa. Well, we've seen it play out, right, in San Francisco with what's the name, Boudin, yeah. and, and, you know, like the Minneapolis City Council rejecting their, you know, whatever. All but, that stuff. But, but J.J. Baloney in Pennsylvania is shocked. J.J. Baloney is <laughs> shocked, shocked we're allowed to say it. <laughs> J.J. Baloney's got a... Yeah, it's it's crazy. But let me... Before I get to this, this next <laughs> yeah, like, point... I, I manage city council races in this state. <laughs> Please respect me. <laughs> Baloney and co, good morning. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Baloney tied up all week. He's a very important consultant. Uh, I'm sorry, dude. I Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, you're probably a nice guy. Yeah. I don't know. You work for the He's wrong not a team. nice guy, dude. He works yeah, for the Yeah, you work for the wrong team. Anyway, uh, I think what's important, when, when you said smug, when you said economy inflation, crime and border security. There you go. If you, when you said those three things, it reminded me that as a listener of the program, if you listen to every episode, you can go back like probably twenty months mm-hmm. when we framed up what we thought everybody should be running on. Because yep. there are two; th- these are three things that are irretractable problems for Democrats because they fundamentally, ideologically, do not believe that any of them fit with what they want to do their candidates like fetterman and mandela barnes want violent criminals out on the streets they do and that's just that's just we're not making this up that's just a fact like fetterman fetterman was uh, i recall i saw this article he was the lone vote to release this 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 guy who went out and ended up murdering someone using garden shears like these are the kind of people that dems want out why is this and, and like to most people you don't have to be ideological about it like what's not a not a close call here like, why do we no. set up bail funds to let violent criminals yeah. 
out on the streets after they burn down police precincts and then lo and behold they murder somebody else the way that like, like why is that a close we're not, call we're not talking about overcharging somebody that got caught with weed when they were yeah. early you know like and that's like, the this thing is, is a vi- these are murderers that's the thing right. is like under the cover and this is what the left does is is they always push the envelope way too far which is why you can't give these bastards an inch anymore like we've tried two for too long compromising with these people and they're absolute madmen because under the guise of being like, oh, if some kid got caught with like a little bag of weed, why should he have to be put in jail for life? That's not what's happening. That's not the case. And it's not compassionate to let people who've committed assault, who've committed rape, who've committed murder be allowed out. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So anyway, it, no surprise to anybody that none of the candidates want Biden flying in. You guys see that <laughs> when they compared Obama's campaign visits. Wow, he's the first Puerto Rican president and they don't want him in? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, buenos dias. <laughs> Wouldn't it be incredible if he spoke with no stutter with in Spanish? <laughs> wow, like, he really is. Shit, he really was That's Puerto Rican. This guy's just struggling with English. Sounds like Ricardo Multibon. It's his... <laughs> <laughs> English is his second language. <laughs> it explains everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so there's an AP story out today, the GOP optimistic about Senate chances despite Walker turmoil. And that's, again, what they do. That's what they do. What they do is they go through all of the things that we've been talking about now for months about what you could expect the first week of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would, you know, it would help some of these editors if they just like put somebody on the, pro- like listen to the program. And then, and then write about it because they're going to yeah. look super smart right. if they get that. Um, but this, so this thing, dude, I don't know if you guys saw this. We've had a, a problem with fact checks, right? Yes. Ever since social media companies linked their deplatforming of political statements to fact checks, fact checks have become the most partisan <clears throat> thing in politics. Right. Right. One that caught my eye today was amazing. Rated half true. An ad for candidate J.D. Vance portrays his opponent, Tim Ryan. This is an Ohio Senate race. As in lockstep with Speaker Nancy Pelosi playing a clip of Ryan saying, I do love her. Although Democrats voting, holy shit, I can't believe you said that. Although Although Democrats voting records are fairly aligned. Oh, let's just wave <laughs> yeah, fairly, through that. Fairly, fairly alive. Although fairly he always alive. votes fairly. with Pelosi. The clip leaves fairly out Ryan's alive. bid against her in 2016. Oh, wow. Mm, it does. You know, they didn't tell. They didn't say that he ran against her and then immediately voted for her. Right. <laughs> immediately voted for her. They're like, guys, almost again. a decade ago, he disagreed with her. <laughs> yeah, hold on, hold on. <laughs> voted for again and again and again and again. Right. Since that happened. Also, you know what? The, the number one reason not to vote for Tim Ryan is he's just such an asshole. Like, he's a terrible human being. He doesn't, be, like, not just belong in the Senate. He's just a terrible person. Every time I see him, and, like, the, the thing is... steal your dog he, or something? No, I mean, like, the thing, he has zero integrity. He believes in nothing. I like, feel like that... Those are the people I hate the most. Because, like, okay, if you're commie, you know, at least you believe in something. I disagree with you. You're terrible. But at least you believe in something. He believes in nothing. He's just like a hollow, horrible person that just wants more power. That's a good point. Those are the worst people in society. That's a good point because most of the Democrats on the ballot are are steeply leftists. Yes. And what they try to do is pretend they don't know they they don't yep. like anything. He he he's basically just doesn't like. He's anything. a chameleon. He's like a total lizard person. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. The other, have you see, have you guys seen this lit? You do you, you all know about proxy voting and that, that it's still happening in it the should house? Not like, be yeah, a, yeah. And for our listeners, what that means is that House Democrats don't actually have to show up and cast a vote in person; they just get to do whatever they well, want. Dapper Dan Constant was on uh, Tuesday talking about this. He was. Yeah. And uh, one of the things now, uh, Tim Ryan is not one of Dapper Dan's targets this cycle. He's he's one of Stephen Laws, mm-hmm. uh, but Tim Ryan has the distinct honor of being the guy who has voted by proxy the most. <laughs> really, the most out of everybody <laughs> in the house, he insult. is there the least. Just so, so handing folks, his vote to Nancy Pelosi and then going to an Ohio telling everybody he's right. a moderate Republican. Right. <laughs> like, like he literally that. gives her the vote. For folks who, who who didn't listen on Tuesday, go back and listen to that episode, number one. Number two, who, who don't know what proxy voting is, it's basically, it's completely being abused by the Dems in the house where there's like they're allowed under because th- there's a COVID emergency apparently still happening. Oh, it's still happening. They're allowed to vote by like texting uh, one of their buddies in the house, be like, "Hey, can you vote for me today, bro?" I'm Dude, like, at "Think the beach. about that. Think about that. Like, we- you had one job. You had one job. You're getting a salary to hang out in D.C. and then you just show up and you raise your hand. Sometimes a lot of Americans have to work a lot harder for a lot less money. Just show up and do your goddamn job. Well, was it was it Axney or Slotkin? One of those two for the Inflation Reduction Act, handed their vote to Nancy Pelosi and then flew to Paris for vacation? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like, what a slap in the face. Amazing, right? So, voters, good news, good news. Voters aren't buying any of this stuff. Arizona has been one that has sort of, like, fallen to a second tier in terms of what people are talking about because they thought, at some level, Mark Kelly had that thing put away. Not the case. Not the case, says CBS News. Battleground tracker of likely voters. That race is now a three-point race, according to CBS. I knew Blake Masters was going to do it, man. He's, you know, if we're being honest, full disclosure, he's the only candidate I've given to this cycle. I believe in him. He's worked so hard. The guy's the only candidate you're giving to? Yes. You are pathetic. He is. Listen, man. Like I thought, the red wave was something we were doing. I thought we were doing. It is something we're doing, and I'm doing it for Arizona. Well, I believe in Arizona, and I I believe in Blake. And listen, like at the the end of the show, fifty-one forty-eight. Like spaceman Mark Kelly raises so much money, so much money. I mean, the truth about this guy is not allowed to get out. Like that's why Blake needs the money so he can get the ads up to tell the story of Mark Kelly got his money from selling products in china yeah the guy is he's a pitch put, man he's literally bought and sold he's bought and paid for by china and this guy's a u.s senator right like how is this allowed well we also have a candidate running for governor in that state carrie lake who the listeners are very familiar yeah. with she is she it's is it's arizona now she's definitely gonna win <laughs> that race no question race. about it what it, important let me before i forget duncan when we end the show would you mind logging smug in to win red <laughs> And giving him some direction on how else to help the party. Yeah. It's going to Mark Kelly. I'm giving him more. <laughs> or uh, to Blake. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm giving him Mark Kelly. I heard what you were doing there. More than Freudian right there. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you anyway. went off on principle. <laughs> As, but this is, so in the same poll that we're talking about, this is just a beautiful, beautiful thing because it, it tells you everything about what the media is doing. Like they have a poll. They're like, shit, we got to release this. It's showing Republicans doing well. How do we frame it? Right. CBS headline. Mark Kelly has an edge in Arizona Senate race that hinges on abortion, economy, immigration. In that, OK. In that so, order, huh? Yeah. So let's let's look. Let's look. Uh, let's see what they got here. 
Okay, very important issues, the economy, 81% of people think that that's a big deal. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Inflation, 78. You can see where those two overlap a lot, and I imagine that number together is even higher. Uh, immigration, 65. Of course, border state, they've dealt with a lot of that. That mm-hmm. seems like a big deal. Crime, 63. Big deal everywhere, as we've discussed. Election issues in Arizona, that has been a big topic of, of uh, discussion because it takes them like seven days to count one county's votes. We've had this forever. It's a big problem. Gun policy, 59%. Mm. You know what's not on there? Abortion. Where is it? <laughs> Wait, Wait, wow. They said it hinged on oh, abortion. I thought it was hinging. <laughs> Where's the hinge? I, I remember. I remember watching Meet the Press, and Amish said that every voter in America walks up to her and says, "Abortion is the only thing I can." Yeah. <laughs> Where's the hinge? There's no hinge. I mean, oh. that's the thing. Is like the, the reason that the GOP is looking so great in polling is because the issues that we're running on, yes, while they are central to what conservatives believe in, they are right now central to the crisis this country is facing. Every American cares about the economy and is worried about it and is suffering as a result of it. Every American cares about crime, sees what's happening, is worried about it. Every American cares about inflation. Every American cares about now, now, thanks to to some of these Republican governors, cares about immigration. Because not even your your vacation communities are safe anymore, Dems. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because you can't even go to Martha's Vineyard and be like, well, I don't have to worry about the consequences of my beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> if I manage to ignore the opioids rampaging through my suburban home, yeah. you know, I can, I can now point to Martha's Vineyard as a problem. Um, so a couple of shout outs to some folks. Uh, everybody's putting their shoulder to the wheel here. George W. Bush went out and did a uh, fundraiser for Joe O'Day in great, Colorado. Great work. That's what I'm talking about. That's how the red wave happens. Yeah, that's that's exactly. And so now when you start contributing to some candidates, you too, <laughs> Smug, can say that, that you're helping out. Uh, an Oregon poll who we have on today, Christine Drazen, leading by two points over, his, over her Democratic opponent in the race for Oregon governor. Let me tell you, that'll send a message. And I hear such great... Th- so this is from Minions in Oregon, because, you know, we are legion, we're coast to coast. They're like, I, I hear from that campaign, there is an energy out there. Like, they've for the past six months, they've been pinging me that, like, hey, you got to get her on the show. Thank God we got a time slot open, got her on here. There's some energy. There's something happening out there in Oregon. Yeah, she's got a talented comms team out there, too. They do really, really nice work. Here's, here is a unsurprising bit of news uh, to our listeners. DeSantis up big in oh, the Florida whoa. governor's race. Would you look at that? Mason Dixon polling on Wednesday. That's independent, I might add. Uh, released a survey that showed DeSantis with a commanding 11-point lead over Democrat Charlie Crist. You want to talk about somebody who believes nothing? Charlie Crist. Yeah. Right. Holy cow! He's a Republican. He was an Independent. He was a Democrat. He's been all over the map. He's like, just what does it take? What, you whatever. just tell me. I, have to, I want a governor's office. Tell me what to believe. Tell me what to <laughs> believe, and I'll believe it. I tell you, like the, the Florida Democrats they have on the ballot, it, uh, top to bottom, just a mess. You got Charlie Crist, you got Marco Rubio. What are they thinking out there? Oh, <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. He's smug. in cycle, smug. We're all for Marco Rubio. In fact, I'm going to go to Win Red and throw my donation. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> me too. <laughs> You think here's a one look ahead thing. I hate to do this, but but here's the importance of the retention of power for Republicans. If they manage to get a majority in the Senate this cycle, 2024 cycle, really rough for Democrats. Yes. Yeah. Really rough. Out of the 33 seats that are up, 23 are held by Democrats. Rough 
deal. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the inverse of where we find ourselves now. I mean, this is a tough Senate map for Republicans with the retirements, with the with the just the states that are in play. If we can somehow get through this. Yeah. Boy, does it look good. Speaking of a group that is doing the hard work necessary to get over the top here, uh, I want to welcome in AFP President Emily Seidel. I want to welcome to the program a good friend of the program. Uh, she is the CEO of Americans for Prosperity. Uh, we're a big fan of that program, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and have been for years at Good Work. But I thought what would what would be a good way to start is just kind of talk what you guys have been up to. Because, you know, like there's a lot of organizations out there running TV ads and talking about them. You guys are on the ground doing the hard work. Yeah. Well, the teams across the country, you know, we have 35 state chapters across the country. And we have been focused on these midterm elections. Could not be more important. Um, and... We've been focused on the grassroots work, getting out in front of voters, talking to them on their doorsteps, talking to them on the phones. We've been laser focused on swing voters because, you know, in most of these races, 85, 90 percent of the vote is already decided one way or the other. The people who are going to decide who wins and who loses these races are those 10 to 15 percent of swing voters in the middle. And so we've been getting in front of them for the past year or so, uh, talking about the issues that matter most to them. And then making sure that they understand the choice that they have on who to vote for. You know, so in Pennsylvania, for instance, the choice that they have on on how John Fetterman is going to handle the, I mean, the economy. I about a no-brainer choice, <laughs> I right? know. Or, or Dr. Oz. And uh, um, so far, we've knocked on almost 3 million doors. And That's amazing. We've, we've got uh, goals to almost hit another 3 million between now and, and Election Day. Wow. And um, it takes a lot of boots on the ground. It to takes a lot something. of boots on the ground, a lot of dedication. Yeah. I mean, the teams are just, they're out there, they're leaving it all out, out, out on the field. Yeah. Sure. Well, I see. It's, it looks like you've brought us a, I mean, what do, how do I characterize the bucket? <laughs> uh, it's like well, a. Yeah. You know, I, I know it is customary for guests of the program <laughs> yes. to, especially in studio, to bring a gift. I am a bourbon drinker. Yeah. So I thought about bringing a, a bottle of bourbon. Right. But, you know, not everybody can work with grassroots folks across the country like this, and they are all major fans of this show. I well, I love it. And what's so innovative about this is it appears as though you've brought something from, like, every state you guys yeah. are involved in. This is incredible. We put out the cattle call. You got a lot of barbecue in there. You got some cheer wine from, from North Carolina. Uh, Grandma Doug's cookies from Oklahoma. If you're in Oklahoma, you got to order Grandma Doug's cookies. Oh, man. And then we've got an alligator head from <laughs> the team <laughs> in that's Florida. Be a, that's going to be a big hit on the program. There's no question. <laughs> we, you know how we like animal fighting. And a big alligator head is going to be a nice little addition to the studio. Yeah. I wonder if you could put that in the pool with the bananas, what the monkeys would do to it. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. That's a, that's, that's a great idea. Might scare the, the monkey out. Out of the banana trap, though. You yeah. never know. My you think about that. Not if you're swimming under the bananas. Okay. <laughs> then you're guaranteed he's going to pull it under the bananas. Yeah. And he's going to eliminate the monkey. Important to keep stay concealed under the bananas. Right. That's exactly right. Well, listen, um, you, you, what you guys have done over the years and what I've been reading about that you're up to this cycle is you, you're just constantly increasing this ground presence. Yeah. And, and turning out voters for Republicans in this in this election where there's a clear contrast between, like you said, Fetterman and Oz, you're turning out these voters that may 
you know, not have totally tuned into the election, don't know what their choices are, and you're giving them an education. Yeah, and we're doing it at a bigger scale than we ever have before. That's um, really impressive. In 2020, we were in over 270 races, mm. and we reached nearly 60 million voters through those efforts. This year already, federal and state races, we are in about 450. Wow. So it was a huge ramp up, you know, given what's at stake in this election. Totally. It's the future of, of our economy, the future of the country. And that's what people are responding to. That's why they're coming out in droves to be able to do these door knocks, have these conversations with folks in their communities. So it, 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 AFP's been around and doing good for a long time. feels like you've really honed this strategy in the last couple of years, just laser focusing on this yeah. population. Yeah, we have. I mean, you know, there are a lot of uh, folks doing good work, um, putting up good TV ads, things like that. There's only one organization, which is ours in the country, that can reach all of the swing voters at scale. Yeah. It, you know, because we've been on the ground in these communities for almost 20 years. Um, and so we've got deep reach in the communities. We've got a huge dedicated base of activists that give up their nights, give up their weekends to do this work. It's hard, And it's hard work. I mean, you guys yeah. know that. It's hard mm-hmm. work. It and, is. But it's rewarding. Well, and you build these over a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Because you never know when a big race is going to arrive on your doorstep. That's right. You know, I mean, it, it like you can think of all these different states that haven't had a, con- a competitive congressional race, for example, in a generation because redistricting all kinds of things like that all of a sudden this cycle they're in the middle of it afp one of those organizations that actually has built the infrastructure over a period of time when there maybe wasn't a race and now they can take advantage of it well and it also builds on itself i mean up in michigan we're in michigan seven for tom barrett okay against congresswoman slotkin um but the the team in michigan supported him in his House race, put him in his Senate race at the state level first, have a, a tremendous working relationship with him as a strong policy leader under the Dome in Michigan. And now they're they're trying to get him out here to Washington to do some good work here as well. And that's a sort of long-term buildup that is possible when you have a, 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 a deep infrastructure in these states. Well, and you focused on policy too. And, and what's so funny about sort of the policy arm of what you all have done and how it relates. You focus on issues that this cycle, uh, they're kind of the biggest issues, right? Yeah. The economy, uh, inflation, government spending. Um, folks, you know, we've also, in, in your basket here, is a lot of swag from our True Cost of Washington tour. Uh, this year, we've been crisscrossing these United States, doing events at gas stations and grocery stores. Oh, that's great. To talk with folks and connect the dots between failed government policies, major uh, inflationary spending that passed and was signed into law over the past 18 months, and the pain that they're feeling at the gas stations and the grocery stores so that they understand the ramifications of of government programs in their everyday lives and then mm-hmm. can also make an, an you know an informed decision going forward. And he seemed to have some fun doing it. Oh. Like it seems like the whole crowd is kind of like happy warriors too. Absolutely happy warriors. It's such it's such a pleasure to get to work with these folks every day, I'll tell you. And and um you know in these in these true cost events like we've been going to gas stations for instance. This is one of the major events we've been doing. We've been dropping the price of gas from whatever it is at that gas station, five dollars, four fifty, whatever, you know, astronomical prices. To two dollars and thirty-eight cents, hmm. and a lot of people are like, "Well, what's two dollars and thirty-eight cents?" It's the price of gas, the national average, I should say, of the price of gas um, the day President Biden took office. <laughs> 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 and I mean, you, 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 you 
first of all, you come to one of these events, you see the line of cars like a mile oh, plus I bet long. Are psyched about that. We drop the price of gas for about a two-hour period, and we pump as many gallons as possible. We did 135 of these events across the country over the you know mostly over the summer and into the fall, and people. I mean, the stories that come out of these events are incredible. People are having to choose. Just last week in Levittstown, Pennsylvania, we did an event where a woman said she is still choosing on some days whether she pumps gas or eats. Mm, And that's contrast that with the rhetoric that you have coming out of this administration about how much money people are saving because the price of gas has gone Wild, down. Right? right? Like they have it's no like, idea how cyclical gas prices work. They have no idea what all of their concept for how energy is produced is wildly out of touch. Well, whoever's making those memes for the White House, I invite them to come <laughs> out to a True Cost of Washington event and see and talk to real people. Get out of the D.C. bubble and yeah. you'll see what people are really struggling with. Totally. We want to do more events with you guys. When we get beyond this election cycle, we want to talk to you about getting more involved with your grassroots activists around the country because they're just such good people doing such good work and you guys have really like i said honed your message honed your targets feels like you've got all the wheels running in the right direction here well and thank you we'd love to do that first of all on behalf of all of the activists they would love that big fans of the program but they um uh you know one of the things you you were talking about honing what we've been doing um one of the things that we've looked at over the past couple of election cycles is given that we're uh, uniquely positioned to drive that grassroots work in concert with the rest of the sort of political ecosystem. Mm-hmm. What is the most effective thing that we can do so that if somebody is going to volunteer their time, we make it worth their time? Yeah. And so we actually have have proof. I mean, we have we have supporters across the country who expect us to take a very business like approach to politics. Mm. And so we have run run this very much like a business. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to prove that the most effective way to persuade a swing voter is to talk to them face-to-face mm-hmm. at their door. Um, the second most effective way is to call them. And so if somebody wants to volunteer their time and they're able and willing to walk, depending on the weather, you know, sometimes that's kind of tough in Arizona in the middle of the yeah. summer. But we want that we will train them we'll show them how to be effective and we'll get them out there knocking doors and talking to voters if they're unable to do that we have them make phone calls and then we layer that strategy and we reinforce that message i should say through digital ads and through pieces of mail to those specific targeted voters we're not going to blast out a bunch of messaging to people where we're just laser focused on those swing voters Making because those difference. are the folks who are going to make the difference. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they're, they're talking to people who are, you know, from their larger community, right? Yeah. I mean, which is, again, as we've talked about, when you get into like hundreds of millions of dollars of television advertising, cord cutting, all kinds of different things happening, uh. sort of bifurcates messages. Yeah. When you have somebody that's from your neighborhood that's talking to you about an issue you're clearly concerned about, I mean, it's logical, right? Yeah, well, it's harder and harder to reach people through TV ads. The other thing that we know about swing voters is that they are really skeptical yeah. of what they hear in TV ads. They're skeptical of what they hear you know, from, from the candidates themselves because they've sort of been turned off to politics in recent years. But the people that they still trust are their neighbors, the people that they... See at the grocery store, the people who have they've seen actually wearing the green AFP shirts and improving their communities in off years 
because we don't go away after an election cycle. Yeah, that's the key. We're still there. Still you know? there. Yeah. Still working on it. And yeah. if it's a legislative session that has something impacting them, their lives, you're involved in that as well. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, it's a really, really big deal. So, as no, and can I just say, no, nobody is, is more effective at this than you guys. And I mean, cycle over cycle, what you're describing requires a tremendous amount of manpower. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't need to tell you tell you <laughs> that. Is is there a number that um, uh, volunteers or, or folks associated with? And maybe 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 you said this, but no, I didn't. We have so we have four hundred or so dedicated staff across the country, full time staff, mm-hmm. and then beyond that, we have um, tens of thousands of regular activists. And over the course of time, uh, well over four million people have taken action with Americans for Prosperity uh, to have their voices heard. I mean, that's what we do. We hold a megaphone up to the voice of the American people because they're the most powerful powerful uh, force in politics. It but turns out they're the ones that matter most, they, right? Who <laughs> in a democracy, yeah. it's uh, hmm. kind Makes of sense. important. Yeah. So um, as you're getting feedback on how everything is going, do you have any conclusions? We're now, you know, a month out. Uh, how do you think things are going? Well... So I listen to the program sometimes. Yeah. And so I know in your intro, you have a, a, a big thing about the red wave. Yeah. I'll tell you, we have not seen that red wave on the ground. Um, it has been a dogfight. Hmm. And I think part of that is because if you think about swing voters, they by and large voted Democrat in 2020, even in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and Democrats, I think, understandably maybe perceived that positive vote as an endorsement of pretty radical policy ideas. And so when they started doing what they were doing in 2021 here in Washington, these swing voters went, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I did not vote for that. Right. I was just voting against the other guys. Yeah. What we saw, though, especially because so many of these races had really tough Republican primaries, that Republicans hadn't yet earned their vote. Mm-hmm. And so they were kind of stuck in the middle. So all of the the um, the numbers that people were looking at to predict a red wave, things like Biden's approval or direction of the country, those were really negative because people didn't like what the Democrats were doing, but they hadn't yet been convinced to vote the other way. Mm-hmm. I think that that is starting to change. Um, largely, I mean, you see it in, in some of the tightening polling numbers in places like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, for instance. Um, but I, I mean, I still think it's a dogfight. I think yeah. it's going to be really close. Yeah. Well, as Smug says, it's uh, it's not something that's happening. It's something that we're doing, and nobody's doing more than AFP. If our people want to get involved in various aspects of what you're doing on the ground in their own communities, where do they go? Well, they go to americansforprosperity.org to sign up to be an activist uh, across the board. Uh, our federal work, our federal political work, is through a super PAC, which is afpaction.com. Great. Listen, excellent. I can't thank you enough for doing what you're doing, by the way, but also sharing it with us and being able to meet your people as we go around the country, which you're planning on doing a lot more in 2023. So listen, thank you again. Thanks for coming on. Let's uh, let's keep us updated, will you? Will do. Thank you so much. Yeah. You want some animal news? Of course. So apparently they can't find macaque. According to Bloomberg, lab monkeys are the latest COVID shortage. Oh, my God. Fauci, what have you done? (laughs) Beijing's ban on macaque exports. That seems (laughs) short-sighted. Don't they have a a problem with macaque? 
I mean, this is like horrific, right? Like, uh, I think number one, like uh, one of the great things about when we have a majority in the Senate is we can let Tom Cotton like run wild because he's <laughs> one of the only people who's like, we got to hold China accountable for what they did during COVID. Like the fact that, that China's like, hey, we have a shortage of lab monkeys. Wow, shit, interesting. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't and know. And a new pandemic hasn't arrived. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like every other week we've got a story about rampant m- bands of monkeys flying all over the place, taking and, and kids, And somehow it's a shortage? Yeah. yeah how, how are they? It's because they're not rounding them up systematically. With the banana pool. They need the banana pool. <laughs> I love, okay, number one. So, so, so uh, McDaniel, who, who, who produces the show's, he, I love how he couches this story being like, Beijing's ban on macaque exports needed to test vaccines and other life-saving drugs could give its farm industry an edge. It's like, dude, why do you always push this expert's bullshit? I hate science. I hate experts. Every time I see this stuff. <laughs> you notice how he went with a soft A there? He, he, he it, mispronounced it. He mispronounced it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That's Let's the get kind it of, together. That's smoke. the kind of fundamental misunderstanding <laughs> of these animals that leads to rampant overpopulation. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it is. What I it love is. The, the story is interesting, though. It says average prices have more than doubled since just before the pandemic to about, uh, it says 11,000 euros, $11,000 per animal. You're, te- you're telling me inflation has hit macaque. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is. But it's wild. People are paying eleven thousand for a monkey. <laughs> like, what? What kind of a mail order situation is that? It's like, well, I got to test some shots. I don't There's understand it. I don't understand it. We ought to put the people with the macaque problems together with the macaque testers. <laughs> I'm very, uh, mom. I'm very sorry. I, I, she listens to the show. She listens to the show and she knows what she's going to get. I apologize for nothing. Uh, Next story, and this is important and more serious, is the New York Times crazy climate story. So I know none of you read the New York Times, or maybe very few of you read the New York Times. This is insane. But you'll notice that the the context of this story um, is the same as what they've been doing on a national level in a narrative setting in corporate business, in basically anything. So now it's like very seamless when a storm comes along where either you even get like local weather people talking about climate change, right? They link the thing together entirely. It's so insane. Right? And so uh, the, the header here is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and other Florida Republicans rejected major climate laws. Now they're seeking storm aid as if these two things are right. connected. Right. That assumption, which is an assumption, is declared a fact that they move beyond to yeah. tell you their hit piece. Yeah. Right, right. So it doesn't get any better after you click on it. Senior Republican politicians in the state have opposed federal action against global warming, which is making storms like Hurricane Ian more destructive. And then they go on like Rubio, Scott, DeSantis, yada, yada, yada. So interestingly, though, and like I don't, I'm not a scientist, obviously. We know Smug's not. I hate it. So like I, I just, I try to accumulate information to figure out, you know, sort of who's telling truth and whatnot. One of the smartest guys we know we had on the program, uh, Schellenberger, he was running for governor mm, yeah. in in California. California, came up short, but he hasn't stopped uh, being interested in the news. And what he says, New York Times says climate change is making storms like Hurricane Ian more destructive, but that's false. There have been 15 Category 4 or stronger storms, landfalling hurricanes in Florida since 1919. 10 occurred before 1960 and just five since, 
according to hmm. Noah, a government agency. Well, the thing well, is that, like, for all they're crying about, like, trusting the science and stuff, like, none of the left's ideas are actually based on facts or statistics. And that's, a, you know... It, Facts and statistics are actually the number one way to refute everything that they're pushing. The interesting thing is the way that the New York Times frames this is the way that the left is framing everything where they're like, your rights are incumbent upon agreeing with us. That's it. Like, you should not be allowed to have aid unless you agree with us. You're, sh- you're sh- shouted down. But the New York Times is claiming that the storms are worse because Ron DeSantis blocked the state's pension fund from taking climate change into account when making investment decisions. <laughs> it's ESG. wild. Wild. ESG, what we've talked about, right? So that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, all right, let's pull back the curtain and figure out how it is that the New York Times justifies its claim because, you know, they have to figure out a way to w- work the numbers. The New York Times and other publications are, del- this is according to uh, Schellenberger, the New York Times and other publications are deliberately ignoring hurricanes before 1980. Why? Because they looked at hurricanes over a long period of time, there is no trend, either more frequent hurricanes or more intense ones. In fact, there is a slight decline. Hmm. So his point is, is if you go back and they, everybody has the stats. And I think I, I read some other things. It's, it's not in the doc that, that Schellenberger was saying about this. But basically, the, the data goes back to like 1900 or 1910 or something like that. And that's Noah, right? So the same place that they're pulling everything from 1980 forward, they have the statistics that go all the way back to 1900. They don't use from 1900 to 1980. Well, why wouldn't they use those numbers? Well, it turns out that it doesn't support the thesis. (laughs) Whoops. It doesn't support the thesis. As he said, there were more and stronger hurricanes during the 1900 time frame to 1980 than there are from 1980 since. I don't know. I think if the state pension makes climate investments, hurricanes would uh, never happen again. I, I really, I, <laughs> I think that I think that that, I, I, that seems like here's science the thing to is me. Like, I mean, that's a, it's so anti-science. Like what their basis is on, it comes down to if you give me money, I will make the storm stop. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the insanity of yeah, this. Pay my people. I, I control the weather as long as we are paid off. Pay my people. I mean, how insane is that? Is what it is, right? And you got to make investments accordingly. Oh, it's just so bad. All right, you want a sports update? We need a little sports yes, in our life. Yes, thank right? you. I can't believe McDaniel is allowing this. I can't believe he is either. <laughs> I'm usually, so happy. I'm like, I'm ready to talk about all of this. Usually, we just throw it in banter and he bitches about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> like, why can't we talk about science? But you, you put in you put in uh, big chickens and uh, macaques, so here we get to talk sports. All right, McDaniel, here it is. Aaron Judge, uh, as you all saw last night, set the new American League home run record with his 62nd home run, uh, breaking Roger Maris's American League record. Um, I don't care. I do. He's I amazing. Don't, I Yankees don't care. the best team in baseball history. I cared until ESPN broke into, like, with live coverage of his at-bat all weekend and ruined it for me. It yeah. was just the worst. I was just trying to watch some football in every, you know, 45 minutes, we got a break in for, you know, Aaron Judge's at bat. To ground out to third. To ground out to Dude, third. Are you really or, mad watching Aaron Judge or Aaron, the Colts losing? No. What I. Oh, what on, what, what I. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, a, that's a serious shot. <laughs> He's going to come over the table. <laughs> I didn't. It's closing his laptop. I didn't mind it at first, but 
the booing from Yankees fans on every pitch got really annoying. No, that's the best. Dude. And ESPN <laughs> and ABC Yankees expect people to lay down for them. Yankees fans being that's just how like they win. awful is the best part. Like, like seriously, <laughs> does Disney have a piece of Aaron Judge's contract? Because you couldn't watch ESPN or anything on ABC and and watch a game th- last weekend. Well, it's newsworthy. Well, he, so, okay. So you know what would be newsworthy if they got Balco to give him the cream and the clear, okay, <laughs> live. So he so he, he could be on steroids. He's the first, and, and he could hit ten home runs. That would be interesting. He, he's the then fir- he could break the real record, which is Barry Bonds. He's he, he's the first guy to do it without steroids. All these other guys were juiced. Whatever. This guy did it natural. Hold on. I, let me just stop. I want. I, I have I'm two, glad you brought. This I have up. two questions. One. What's the home record? Home run record? John Ashbrook. That number is seventy three. 73. 73. 60. You're talking about Barry Bonds? Yeah. Yeah. 73. No, 62. It's 73. Barry was juiced. They were all juiced. How, what's your for view, Judge? Duncan? Barry Bonds. And now we know you think it's Aaron yeah. Judge at 62. So I've got this is, can I just raise something? Uh, maybe you were about to say this, but we were talking about this over the weekend. And one thing that Barry Bonds did not have when he set the home run record was lineup protection. There was nobody hitting in front of him or behind him. So oh, that's they, garbage, bro. They had to pitch. This is about swinging bats. Dude, all this, like, Mike, Mike Stanton, Mike Stanton hits right next to your boy. Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> Mike, Mike Stanton hits right next to your boy, and they have to pitch around one of them. Oh, also, also, one other thing I would note, also, in previous segments... Smug took a pro-doping policy. That's what I'm saying. Is that's and what I'm now saying is, and now he's claiming that he somehow supports like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is like, you know what? It's like the yes, integrity of the it, game. No, it's, this is, this is bullshit. Is, is I'm saying like yes, he did 62 natural, which you know you should get credit for that. But at the same time, I think a major problem with baseball is like this puritanical view of drugs. Let these guys get juiced. Let's see that's how what I'm much saying. shit can we put in their veins <laughs> to just hammer this. Who? Like, make the game wild, dude. Like, I want 40 home runs in a game. Just juice them up, dude. Your, They're like racehorses. Your, juice them up. Your other boy, Roger Maris. Who was on his team that pitchers maybe didn't want to throw balls yeah, to? Yeah, well, Mickey Mantle hit 50-something I wasn't alive, year. bro. Like, <laughs> Mickey Mantle that's hit 50-something. What I'm saying is that, like, okay, you know, you think about the argument of, like, why should we not allow steroids? What it's like, I, especially with baseball, it's like, oh, kids will get the wrong message. Dude, when they win a World <laughs> Series, they're out there spraying champagne on each other. Like, this is, okay? This is, oh, a champagne and steroids. Like, yeah. same thing. <laughs> like, who cares? You'd be a responsible adult. You know what you're doing with the substance, okay? I look, I'm, I'm glad for Aaron Judge. If I wanted to watch it, I would have watched it, though. Yeah, no, I'm with you it's on all that. as simple as that. I'm with you on He's all got, that. I paid he, top dollar to watch the Colts lose. I'm underwhelmed. He had a great look. He had a great season. I'm underwhelmed with the 62. It's 73. Everybody knows it. No, nah, man. It's He's 62. got it. He does have a great swing. Yeah. But he has a ton of lineup protection, and that's what no salary cap in baseball gives you when your team has wow. unlimited money. This guy to wants spend communism. He wants equity in baseball. Look at this. ESG for baseball. So works uh, in the NFL. So okay. So here's my last question about this: the guy who catches the ball. Right? There's a guy who caught the ball. I don't have his name in front of me. Mm-hmm. But he, like, you know, obviously puts it in the pocket, races out the stadium. He doesn't want to get mugged. Uh, immediately, there is a company that offers him $2 million cash for the ball. <laughs> right? And they're asking him, what, you know, what is he going to do with it? Smug, what do you do with the ball? Me? Yeah. I give it to Aaron Judge, dude. Free. It's his. For free. For free. You would never. He not earned, in a million years. He, There's no, he earned that home run it. with all the years that he put in, you know, training, playing baseball as a this kid. Is an this is absolute Focused on the game. This is absolute fake. This is not. <laughs> <laughs> Smug, you'd, you'd say four million. <laughs> 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 I 
I love that Smug Smug just went to this segment and he's like, all right, what's everyone else's opinion? I'm gonna do the opposite. How can I start trouble? <laughs> so turn that ball. So here's here's my thing. Like two million, it's clearly gonna fetch lar- larger sum than that on the open market, right? But you could take the two million cash. Let me just tell you what I'd do. I think what I would do is demand like first baseline seats, not just for life in season tickets, but in perpetuity for my family, right? And it includes away games. Mm. And they're going to have to figure out how to put five seats down somewhere, four seats down somewhere for me, one way or another. And then I want a bunch of schwet. Well, that's right. Because you're on the whole tax situation. I want, here's here's, and I, and here's I the way be, to get all of that, though. And that is when you run out of the stadium, you call a lawyer, you stay anonymous, and then you call Sotheby's. Yeah, well, yeah. And you get ten million, and then you can buy your own baseline tickets. No, if you if you well, really want to go the really... money, if you want to go the money route, here's how you do it. I'm it's... just still annoyed that he interrupted all of my football this last <laughs> weekend. I hope he has to pay ten million dollars for that ball. <laughs> no, you you, you you run out of that stadium, you go to Dick's Sporting Goods, you get yourself an official ball, you sell that one, and then a year later, be like, I got the real one, folks. <laughs> that's how you get paid. Twice. <laughs> Now that's smart. Just pure criminal. <laughs> Just pure criminal. Uh, what do you, Ashbrook? What do you do with the ball? Uh, I probably probably keep it for a while and then sell it. I've got an idea for you. Hmm. I think if I'm you, knowing your convictions, I would th- actually. I might have thrown it back. What I what I would do is take that ball, hire a lawyer, go sit back, and then begin immediate negotiations with the commissioner of baseball for the induction of Pete Rose into the hall. Now that is wow. a great. That idea. would have been oh. smart. That is a great that idea. And Pete Rose is a criminal. Say you can. That's you will, just outrageous. You will give it. <laughs> greatest, he is a criminal. Greatest baseball player who ever lived. You will give it free to Cooperstown upon the immediate induction of. Pete Rose. Now that is a that is a great idea. I just, he should be in right? jail, right. not just Cooper. I just thought about that on the way in, and right. I was like, "That's a great one." I, might I propose one more? Okay. You take that ball. You call up, you know, Dave Portnoy. Oh. Um, you get together a pay per view live event. You get Balco back involved with the cream and the clear, the steroids, <laughs> which are administered it. to Barry Bonds live. And then you underhand throw him that Aaron Judge ball and watch him crank it out of the park. <laughs> and you could right sell the McCovey Cove. You could you could sell that fifty nine ninety nine. Millions of people would watch. <laughs> I love that man. This is just a font of ideas. This program. Yeah. So it, next topic: Tom Brady and Giselle are hiring divorce lawyers. Ugh. I mean, that's a hard hit deal for some people. It's that. You know, I, I talk about this often. She is following in the footsteps of Tiger Woods' ex-wife of just like, I'm selfish. I want to ruin the life of one of the greatest who's always done this. It's all about me. Like I said, she's a model. She's used to just like walking down. All eyes have to be on me. I want everyone's attention, right? She's mad that everyone's like, wow, Tom Brady's worked hard. This guy just wins championships. He's amazing. Everyone loves this guy. He puts in the work. He's 45 playing football, right? She's like, no, I want the attention. Time for me to ruin this guy's life. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just say that the happiest man in show business right now with this situation, Pete Davidson. (laughs) Oh, you think he's got a shot? Don't you think there's no chance? There is absolutely no chance. That is what he's going to do. That Giselle avoids Pete Davidson in this circumstance. That's amazing. Right? 
That's he's gonna do it. He's no. gonna, gonna do, do it. it. The guy is an absolute killer. He, he, he's he's coming for and, Giselle. And my other take is like you know Giselle, Eli Manning, two people committed to taking rings from Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Very good. Very <laughs> good. New York Homer all the way around. <laughs> um, all right, let's quick economy update, fellas. Um, a, a sharp slowdown in global trade pointing to a possible recession. Uh, Smug, this is probably of no surprise to you. You've talked about it a lot, but world trade is according to the Wall Street Journal. World trade in goods is set to slow more sharply than previously expected next year, raising the risk of global recession. A new forecast shows. Yeah. Um, so we've been telling you know our listeners for a long time that if you look at economic indicators, things are looking bad. Uh, I've been saying for the longest time the other shoe to drop when when you have high inflation is okay. If things are more expensive, people will buy less goods and then what are companies left to do they first slow down hiring then they like uh you know will start letting people go and the economy just gets worse you start spiraling that way and as i predicted amazon announced that they are freezing hiring in their retail divisions mm-hmm. and like <laughs> that's a that's a very large workforce right there it says amazon is among the uh this is from the uh, wall street journal amazon is among the latest big tech companies to slow hiring or cut jobs uh it says uh the journal reported last month and Google parent Alphabet has required some employees to apply for new jobs if they wish to remain with the company. It's like not only, you know, is it hiring freeze, it's like now you have to fight for your existing job. And these are the companies that are like, you know, with the highest valuations. These are the companies that are doing the best. Imagine what it's like for mom and pop shops out there who have already struggled. Those who have been fortunate enough to survive COVID are now dealing with the policies of this administration, which have caused inflation to go through the roof. Uh, it's 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 a tragic situation, and really the only way to put an end to this is to get rid of all the Dems controlling uh, all the branches of government right now. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's 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 not good. It's not good. And and look, the problems are everywhere. Democrats don't want to talk about them. It's the reason why everything's coming back from the Republican way. Um, I should announce that uh, because of Matthew Mail Pattern Dowd's dominant performance last week and his continued dominance. Uh, we're going to take a one-week hiatus on King of the Hill to let Smug regroup. And, and, you know, I came prepared with some, like, Jen Rubin tweets, but, like, all the regulars, it's been a really, really weak, like, week for these people. And I think the reason for that is, I mean, if you look at the news, like, Republicans have been just dominating. Like, it's nothing but bad news you for You think Dems. they're demoralized. They're, they're, it's like, how are you going to spin, like, all the polls turning for Republicans? And Sherry, my Sherry, is not available. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it, look, we've, we, we're we going to give it a fair shot. I think it was a, uh, a genuine offer on my part. Yeah. And uh, and so we'll push it to next week. A continuance, we'll, if you will. Yeah. We'll play a number of games. We'll, we'll play multiple games next week. Yeah. All right? Okay. And also, it's important to note, The Daily Show copied Veep or Veep. Did you guys see that? Yes. Dude. That was yes. Yeah. Can we talk? It. I mean, they say that... that this is the sincerest form yeah. of flattery. And I know for a fact Daily Show writers follow me, so like it's not like it's a mystery how they got it on their hands. They got I mean it I'm was just, just a glad, straight ripoff. I'm just glad they discovered the most obvious comedy that's ever existed. Yeah. You know, I mean, you would think if they really wanted good comedy, the Daily Show people, SNL people, that the Biden administration would be a target rich environment. Yeah. Yeah. But somehow they've Failed yeah. to figure it out, and I loved in the in the replies they were just like shouted down by minions. Yeah, so yeah. Like that they're like, "This is funny." 
as you copied it from Ruthless yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Shout out to all the minions who held him accountable. Yeah, seriously. It was also a, a huge uh, uh, lifting of the veil on those so-called conservatives who aren't listeners of the program who thought it was funny. Huge. Mm. Huge. You know? yeah, you're, tell- you. you're telling on yourself. See you. I see you. <laughs> I see you. All right. Anyway, let's get to this interview. It's going to be a good one. I want to welcome to the program somebody we've been pining to get on because it's one of the most interesting stories in politics. The nominee for the governor of Oregon, of all places, Christine Drazen. Welcome to the program. I I could not be more excited to join you today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man, it's 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 our pleasure. I mean, this is so for us. Typically, we think of the state of Oregon and you think. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could compete there? Like on the federal level, it's been since Gordon Smith, since we've ever sniffed any sort of uh, form of success there. Um, But we've also watched what's happened to Oregon over the years, and in particular during COVID and everything else. And we thought, man, if not now, when? And then all of a sudden you show up and, and look what's happening. You know, Oregonians are feeling the same way you are like they're saying if not now then when and they know that our state is an amazing beautiful state i mean no offense to the other states but we really are pretty fantastic (laughs) and you just don't get that very much from uh, the single party control and what they've done to our beautiful state i mean they have turned oregon into a petri dish for extreme progressive ideologies that they know from the start that the end result is going to be to harm families, harm businesses, and intentionally pick winners and losers and leave people behind. And they're okay with it. But Oregonians aren't. That's really right. where we're at right now. That's why we're in the mix. That's why this is a, a close race. It's because Oregonians themselves are looking around going, wait a minute, this wasn't the deal. Like, I just want to live my life. And I would like to live it in the place that I love. And that's Oregon. Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, it's an absolutely gorgeous place. I've only visited on a couple of occasions, uh, once in the uh, wine country up there in wow. uh, Willamette, <laughs> which I, I got to tell you, if you're going to if you're going to like Pinot Noir, you're going to love it in Oregon. Boy, oh, mm-hmm. boy. Uh, but, you know, the one thing that occurred to me as I'm watching from afar what was happening with riots downtown and everything is everybody that I encountered in Oregon was a reasonable individual. And it was very difficult for me to understand how anyone would be okay with with a basic degradation of society, ripping down buildings, setting stuff on fire, lawlessness that I'd ever met. And and, and so it was hard for me to comprehend. So that I mean, in, in, in large part, that's why I'm so encouraged by the fact that you're leading all these polls. It seems like maybe I was right. Maybe everybody's come to their senses. You know, I. I don't even know what to say about that period in our history. It just seems so disconnected from the rest of the state, so disconnected from what makes common sense for what the right response would have been to that moment. I mean, there's one thing, there's protest, and then there's lawlessness. And for some reason, the leaders in Portland in particular just could not see that there is a huge difference between the two and allow one and step in and prevent the other. They just couldn't bring themselves to do that. Uh, But certainly it has been a motivator for Oregonians across the state to say enough is enough. 
Uh, we are tired of our city uh, being the laughing stock of the nation. We we see the good in this beautiful place we call home. And we just need common sense back. We need balance in our political life. We need somebody that's going to say, uh, you know what, that's just not a good idea. And when it came to a lot of the things that recently passed, we have legalized hard drugs in Oregon. Bad idea from the start. And I have an opponent in this race that's doubling down, saying not only should we protect this legislation that legalized drugs, oh, but oh, by the way, let's do more methadone clinics. I mean, she... I saw this in the debate that you had. I was I was literally astonished. I thought I misheard it. What she said basically was that everybody ought to have like methamphetamine access in the middle. I mean, I was just like, what? She is completely out of touch. They she took away even the smallest protections for schools and kids. She took away the requirement that methadone clinics and needle exchanges couldn't even be placed next to schools. A thousand feet away from a school was too much to ask for. They should be anywhere they want to go. That is how completely out of touch my opponent is in this race. And frankly, I I say this all the time. She just cannot be governor of a state, certainly not my home state of Oregon. Yeah, I mean, it, it is so unbelievably irresponsible, but it just defies like, I don't care if you're a progressive or a conservative. Do you think it makes a, a lot of sense to have basically a legalized drug trade next to a school in anywhere in this country? Like, it's just so unbelievable. It it is a degradation of uh, of our communities and. You know, we talk about a lot of stuff that's kind of, you know, it's political talk, but the reality on the ground here is that we're desperate for change. Yeah. Like these are all, these are all policies that are actively being put in place in my home state and they have got to be reversed and they've got to be reversed immediately. Like we are at a do or die moment in Oregon where it's all in, it's go for broke, it's get this thing done. We have to. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I love about you and your team is that you stay laser focused on the issues that matter, right? You don't take debate. You don't get sucked into national debates that don't have any concern of Oregonians. You're talking about the issues that have affected them over the last few years, but then more importantly, how you can change it in the future. And I imagine that comes from a wealth of experience. Like you've been a leader in that state for a long time. Now is the opportunity to sort of basically make your case. And it seems like you're doing it really well. Well, we're working. I'm out there talking to yeah. people, listening and making making my best effort at this thing. Uh, we can't afford another four years of Kate Brown, least popular governor in the nation. Right. And Cantina Kotick in every other sentence says, I don't want to change anything. Let's leave everything just the way it is. She absolutely has embraced this idea that Oregonians are looking for a third term of Kate. And I'm pretty sure they're not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not, too. And it's not all, you know, it's not all Portland, right? I mean, Oregon's nope. got a, a wealth of different perspectives and different industries and different things. that it does. And I, I got to imagine at this point, you're getting the even the center left to take a different look at at how governing ought to operate in a state like Oregon. Yeah, they talk all the time about the need for balance. And we've had 10 years of single party control. So I feel like we've given that experiment an opportunity to run its course. Yeah. And Oregonians are saying we need balance. And, and that represents a change in leadership at the top. That's really the only real way that we are going to get the kind of accountability that we need from, you know, on uh, checks and balances in the legislative branch and appointments uh, in the judicial branch. All of it, all of it needs needs a course correction. 
No question about it. So I know you're a lifelong Oregonian. Uh, the state obviously means a lot to you. How did you get into politics, right? I mean, it's it's a, it's a tough line of work for anybody. It's a really tough line of work for a Republican in Oregon. <laughs> I'm originally from a small town in Oregon, kind of in the southeastern portion of my state. And I had family that talked politics when I was growing up, for better or worse, you know, they my mom uh, was the only girl in her family with four brothers and everybody in my family had strong opinions. And But what they all agreed on was that for the most part, politicians were not paying any attention to people in our state, yeah. especially people in the small towns. And, and here in Oregon, you know, we're dependent on, on federal policy around water quite a bit, wildfire management, like these very big issues that were affecting our day to day. And I was raised in a family that was impacted by that. And they weren't shy about making that connection for me. So I always viewed um, our civic life as being something that we should all pay attention to. Yeah. And it and it really did kind of lead me to choosing to be staff inside the legislature. Uh, in my misspent youth, I was in my mere 20s at the time. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've got a similar story. Home, right? <laughs> yeah. But it teaches you a lot. You learn a lot. It's an opportunity to really kind of see behind the curtain and better understand how people wield power and how people compromise. And um, and I just, you know, I love my state. It it felt like a critical moment to step up and step in and fight for the future. And I'm grateful to be in this position in this race right now. I know we got a long ways to go. We got a long fight in front of us still. But I, I am grateful to be at this point in the race. Well, we're sure happy you did. The latest polls from Nelson Research, Clout Research, DHM Research, they all show you leading. And, and that's, look, with a month to go, that's kind of where you want to be. Uh, before we go any further, I got three big questions for you. And, and, and like, these are the things that people pay attention to on the Ruthless Variety program. Uh, if your last, if you could plan your last meal on earth, what would it be? You know, uh, I am a frequent listener, first time caller. And so oh, nice. I knew the was coming <laughs> Good. and I, and this is really what I gave some thought to. And I'm landing on a tapas. That way I can get a little bit of a uh, variety of things. So I'm going to go some seared ahi. I'm going to go some papa, some uh, papas bravas, uh, maybe a little vegetables provincial with a sidecar. We need the sidecar in there. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's relatively healthy, right? For your last meal. I mean, I feel like. Uh, Why not? Yeah. And you got to go. I mean, you got to top it off with a little of that Pinot Noir. I mean, that that is just. Well, fair, fair point, fair point. <laughs> I love it. All right. So if you never got into this line of work, the intersection of, of public policy and and public service and everything that you've been doing with your professional career and you had a blue sky to plan anything that you wanted, what would it be? I have a real disconnect with the value of capitalism. And so I've always been interested in stuff that doesn't really earn you money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that I would be a professional archery instructor. Is that right? Are you, yep. a, do, do you shoot arrows yourself? Yes. You do. I mean, this is, that's a first <laughs> on the variety program. We've had no, really? yeah, yep, <laughs> Every, no other has, archers. Everybody else has a sense to choose something where they can make some money. I, you know, not always, not always, but, but I would say archery is, <laughs> it's a fairly niche interest group. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I love trying to that. Trying to keep it lively. Oh, I love that. That's great. All right. So the last question, which uh, as a listener, you know, it's coming. 
it, our view is that everybody that's successful is sort of motivated at some level by one of two things, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. And the thrill of victory, it, it doesn't mean you know that you're, you're more committed to winning than the person who's in agony of defeat. Basically, it's sunny optimist charging up the hill. You've got the next challenge. The agony of defeat person, every success they've ever had in life, they take like five minutes to appreciate. But every setback, they carry it around like a backpack, right? So <laughs> on that spectrum, where do you find yourself? 100% agony of defeat. I mean, I'm a, Republican, I'm a Republican in Oregon. Does this surprise you? No, not at all. I mean, that was the most predictable answer you could have got. I'm, yeah, so, I'm so glad that you were authentic about it. <laughs> you know what? But this year on the other side of this race, I'm going to I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in for the victory. You I'll are going to change my perspective. You and everybody else in the conservative universe ought to be all into this one because it's one of the best stories in politics. I can't think of anything that would send a better message to the way that cities and states that are monolithically run in a progressive fashion. I can't imagine a better message to all of those places than you coming out victorious in this election. If our people want to help you, where do they go? Christinefororegon.com. ChristineForOregon.com. And I imagine you're going to, if you, if you're walking roads, if you're knocking on doors, if you're putting up signs, or if you can contribute something, even with Biden's inflation, uh, you're all takers here. We'll take it all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. All right. The next governor of the great state of Oregon, Christine Drazen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Take care. She's just great. I think, I mean, to be honest with you, it's hard for me to see how she doesn't get this thing over the finish line. Obviously, it's going to take a ton of work because Dems are not going to want to lose a blue state governor's race. But I mean, what is her opponents have no argument. That's the thing is, you know, like I said, all the issues that she's running on, all the issues that concern Americans are not just conservative issues now. They are issues all Americans are concerned about. Yeah, totally. Outstanding interview. And if I must say so myself, gentlemen absolute banger of an episode so thank you so much to the minions who listen our numbers continue to grow tell your friends listen to the ruthless variety program so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the libs we'll see you on tuesday stay ruthless